Can, can you just uh, close your eyes with me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are powerful. I will always be enamored at your power. You can do, Lord God, in an instant what I would never be able to do in a lifetime. Father, we call upon your power in this place today that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, I understand that you are present and that you are the one that speaks to hearts. You go beyond my words, so I pray that you would utilize me to bless your people. Father, I thank you that you have brought people here today that need to engage a relationship with you or restart one, Lord God, if they've walked away. I pray that today nothing will get in their way from saying, this is my day. I'm making that choice. And Lord, I'm grateful that you've brought people here that, Lord, need of faith, home, and family. So, Father, I pray that today they find CIC to be the place that you have brought them to where they can be nurtured and blessed and encouraged and strengthened and where you can minister to them. Father, I thank you that these are men and women who are overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they are victorious men and women. So, Father, I pray, help us to move forward in faith. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, say amen. 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 All right. So I want you to grab your Bibles and uh, open up to uh, the Gospel of John and uh, pick a chapter, and we'll just start talking about it. All right? How's How's that sound? That would be very chaotic. Go to chapter 8 and just park your Bible there for a second. Um, <clears throat> we're in the season where there's a lot of activity, right? A lot of shopping, a lot of parties, a lot of fun, a lot of holiday swaps and this and that and all sorts of great things. And so during the season, we tend to pick up a lot of things, don't we? We tend to pick up uh, some ever some extra weight to fill our clothes. We pick up some extra stuff to fill our homes. We pick up some extra baggage to fill our souls. And so we've been talking about how uh, in this Christmas season, we want to give up on Christmas. Give up on Christmas. And we've been looking at a couple of things that we want to give up. And today, I got something important that I want you to take a look at. Um, and it's couched on a story, just something that really struck me as I was studying um, I want to talk about how we should give up on mistakes. Go ahead, say mistakes. Have you ever made any? See, I've made plenty. I've made plenty of mistakes. You know, I've forgotten, you know, close my garage door and, you know, left that thing on all night. And then, you know, critters are coming in and different things are happening. You know, I've overdrafted my bank account, and, uh, you know, that wasn't fun. You know, I forgot to uh, write my wife's name on a greeting card one time, and I still hear about that. So I make sure that I always sign it, Brian, Nat, Charlotte, Micah, any possible children I may one day have. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I make sure to include them now, because I've made those mistakes. Um, You know, I've definitely um, miscalculated some, some steps and some, some, some decisions at times. I've miscalculated some play, you know, with my kids. You know how that saying goes, it's all fun and games till someone gets 
hurt and, you know, they've gotten hurt a couple of times because it's like, you know, oh, I thought that was going to be fun. Let's do this. And oops, they tripped or this or that, or I, I overthrew the ball and by, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you, buddy. I'm sorry. I've made some mistakes. You know, I've uh, definitely violated some of my core values, especially in my undergrad years. When I lived in Rhode Island, I, I went around things that I had been taught and things that I had said, I will not do this and I will not be this type of person because this is the core value of my life. I violated some of those. I've definitely made some mistakes where I've gone against God's word. I've neglected scripture. And so I know the Bible calls that sin. So I've, I've sinned, and that is a huge mistake. So, you know, that, that's me. Anybody relate? Right? Like, so we, we've made mistakes. We make mistakes. And I'm just grateful that God is so kind knowing our nature and our possibilities that he uh, allows us the story here in um, the gospel of John. And this gospel gives us a story where we don't have to be stuck within our mistakes. And here's the, as, as you find your way here, uh, if you're not there yet, John chapter 8, I want to give you the key thought that really, you know, was impressed upon me, even though it's not really explicit within this story. And the thought is this, that forgiveness opens a door. Amen. It opens the door. But then we have to take some action. We've got to take some action in order to maximize, enjoy, experience the blessing of what forgiveness has opened the door to. So that's the key thought I want you to anchor in your hearts as we go forward today. Let's read the word here together. I got the NLT in front of me, so sorry, I forgot the ESV, but here it is. On the screen, you'll have the ESV, and that's what's on the Pew Bibles if you are using that. Um, starting in chapter 7, verse 53, you can't start a sentence in the middle, right? So let's go back a, a scripture. Verse 53, then the meeting broke up and everybody went home. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And the Pharisees, brought, uh, uh, the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his fingertip. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? 
No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Elisa, let's get that faith confession up on the screen. Because you've heard the word of God. But we believe that we need to take action. Amen? So I want you to say this with me. Ready? One, two, three. The applied word of God will change my life instantly. I actively embrace and embody its teachings. Pleasing God is my purpose. I walk in faith, not sight. I claim promises, pursue passionately, and prosper as my soul prospers. My faith is proof. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've got this story that is a really beautiful story found here in the Gospel of John. Jesus has taken advantage of an opportunity. The Feast of Tabernacles is over. Pilgrims and travelers from all over Jerusalem are in town to worship. And they are here to you know, do their duties as Jewish faithful men and women. So Jesus sees an opportunity and begins to teach in the synagogue, but someone else also sees an opportunity. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, they see, ha, we're going to get him now. They've been trying to get rid of Jesus and deal with him now for a little while. Maybe now we can find a moment and an opportunity to be able to trap him. He's speaking. We know. They go and grab a lady who has been caught in the act of adultery, and they bring to Jesus and say, all right, if he says something, it's going to be wrong. If he says something else, it's going to be wrong. So either way, we win. It's a win-win for us, lose-lose for him. Or so they hope. Because they want to bring this woman to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, this lady has been caught in the act of adultery. And by the law of Moses, right, the law that you are teaching on here in the synagogue, then you know what? She should be stoned. But if he says that she should be stoned, what is that going to do to his followers and the crowds that have been hearing his message of mercy and experiencing his grace? And, and he's very uh, well received by the crowds. They're not going to want to hear something hard. And if he says stone her, then you know what? Although it might say that in the law, the Romans have made it illegal for us to exact capital punishment. They're the only ones who can handle that because we are lesser than them and under their authority. So we could condemn him to the Romans. And if he says no, well then, he is denying the law. And how can he be a teacher of the law who's here to fulfill the law and all of these things that he claims if he denies it? Then we can just paint him to be the man that we know him to be a farce or we want him to be. So they think they have this perfect, beautiful plan. 
And they bring this woman in a sidebar here for a second. What they're trying to get at, okay, is uh, the Mosaic law. There's references to it in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. That if a person was caught in the act of adultery, right? And let me just ask you here, please. Like, I think we're all uh, wise enough to understand that it takes two to tangle, doesn't it? The act of, of, of having sex is not something that you uh, do on your own. <laughs> it is something that requires two parties. And so in the case of the law, it's also written that both parties, both men and women, would be required to go through punishment if they are caught committing that sin. Yet for some odd reason here, highly sus, highly suspected, suspicious, There's only the woman being brought forth. Where's the dude? Where's the guy? He ain't around. Which makes me think, well, maybe maybe one of them was in on this. Maybe this is a a setup from the start. Maybe somebody went and hired somebody and did something or or enticed somebody and so that they could be involved in this very detailed, orchestrated plot to try to trap Jesus. Because really, are they going to truly catch them in the act of doing this thing? I highly doubt it. So that's just a sidebar. They, sus- suspicious. There's no guy. There's only the lady. And now Jesus, tell us, what are you going to do? And friend, I've read the story and, you know, obviously we can, we can hone in and we can um, focus on the fact that Jesus is dealing with their hypocrisy. He is speaking to them because, look, yes, you know, you guys want an answer. What should we do in this thing? The law speaks about this stuff, but what should we do? Yet you guys are contriving and creating an entrapment here with ulterior motives. You are being hypocritical because if you truly cared about the woman, you would not parade her in front of me right here. You are not looking at this person as a person worthy of God's love. You are just trying to get your way. So I love what he says, because he takes a while to say it. He gets down, starts to draw or or write or whatever on the dirt, and we don't know. People ask, what did he say? You ask Jesus when you get to heaven if if you care so much about that answer. I don't know. It doesn't say. The Bible's silent. What did he say? Oh, is he writing their sins? Maybe. Is he writing the names of the people who've, all, who've already committed this type of act? Maybe. Is he reminding them of the prophets? And how people turn away and they, and they move people away from God as opposed to bringing them close. Is he, is he writing any of these things? I don't know. Does it matter? Not really. What matters is this. When they kept pressing him, he says, okay. But the one who has not sinned, let him cast the first stone. Genius. How many of you wish you had that type of like ability to, to think and reason and to reply back in these moments that are difficult? Some of us, we have these genius moments like five, ten minutes after the argument or the debate or the whatever. And we're like, man, I should have said that. Instead, I, I stuck my foot in my mouth and I said this. And I made the problem worse by saying that or I forgot to say this. Jesus moves beyond the whole thing and he starts playing 3D chess. 
And he says, guys, okay, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. In other words, he's saying, all right, the one who has not committed this sin, go ahead and start speaking. The one who is not being hypocritical, go ahead and start doing the deed. So he does not deny the fact that this is the requirement of the law. He just takes it to a whole nother level. And one by one, as the weight of that moment, he says that statement, then he starts to write back on the dirt again. Nothing else. One by one, the stones start dropping. Now, this is not the focus of our time today. But let me just say, some of us, we're too busy looking at the issues within someone else's life and what they have done or not done, what they've said or not said, how they've treated us or not treated us, what they failed to do or succeeded in doing, and we're upset that they succeeded, whatever it may be, and all we focus is on them, and yet we forget the fact that we need God's grace and that we're not perfect and that we have failed and that we need God's mercy. And it lines up with what I do want to talk to you guys about because everything that I'm about to tell you and say and, and highlight here from the woman's perspective, I feel like they failed. And when it comes to overcoming mistakes, moving forward, moving from our issues and our failures, we need to learn how to treat them and deal with them and process them. Otherwise, we will never move on and grow. This Christmas season, I would much rather you come out from underneath the weight of your mistakes. How, how, how many of you have met people that they live under the constant weight of the mistakes that they have made or the mistakes that have been perpetrated against them? Or the sins that they have committed and the sins that have been committed against them. How many of you have found people that they are in constant anxiety? How many have you found people that are in difficult and strenuous relationships and family dynamics because there has been a mistake that has been done and the weight of that carries ramifications to this very day? People who are grappling with depression because of a mistake. They are dealing with tension and issue, low self-worth. And self-esteem. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live that kind of life. I want to live free. The Bible says that he has written every one of our days before we experienced any of them. And I can't imagine that God wrote in the book, in the story of our lives, the weight of mistake and being consigned to it. That's not what I want for myself. How many of you are with me? I want to live free. I want to overcome. I want to be given a chance. Why? Because the key thought is forgiveness opens the door, but then we have to walk through the door. Forgiveness opens the door to the possibility of a different outcome, not living under the weight of that anxiety and poor self-worth and no future, no hope. It gives us the chance, but yet we have to take action. And so how do we overcome? I love what happens after everybody drops it. Jesus can get to the woman and he speaks to her. Verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. 
go and sin no more. Friends, this is the thing that arrested me this week as I'm looking and contemplating. I had a different uh, sermon prepped and planned, and then God's like, nope, scratch that. You're not going here. I want to talk about this because this just arrested me. I don't know what happened to this woman. But I do know that this is a beautiful story of Jesus opening the door. It's a beautiful story. He opened the door by getting rid of her accusers. And now he gives her the opportunity. And we celebrate this story and say, wow, look at the amazingness of Jesus. The opportunity that he has given this woman. But in fact, we have no clue what she does with this chance. We celebrate this. But what is better to celebrate is when we see somebody place faith in Christ and move forward transformed and renewed. He said to her, go and sin no more. So how do we overcome our mistakes? I want to highlight some practical things for you today. And we are going to park this thing and hopefully it's going to bless your stockings this Christmas. Number one, we have to admit our mistakes. You want to overcome and not live under the weight of, of, of what your mistakes have cost you. What sin has brought into your life and cost you. Let me just say, some mistakes are sins, but not all mistakes are sins. Some mistakes are mistakes. You know? I threw the ball a little too far and it hit my son on the head. It wasn't a sin. He got hurt. He wasn't happy. And then we, we dealt with it, right? I overdrafted my bank account, you know, when I paid too many bills and forgot there was an auto pay on this thing. That is a mistake. It's not a sin. But you know what? I lied about this to save face. That's a sin. And it's a mistake. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some mistakes are also sins, but some sins... I'm sorry, some mistakes are not sins. And so in this case, this woman has committed a mistake and she's committed a sin. But the very first thing that Jesus brings to her, he says, look, go and sin no more. If he's saying go and sin no more, he is validating the fact and confirming the fact, presupposing the reality that this woman has sinned. You've committed adultery, lady. And that's not right. You had relations with somebody who was not your spouse. And so that is not right. You were intimate with somebody that you should not have been intimate with. And that is a sin. You are wrong. Go and don't do that again. The first thing is we have to admit the fact that we have sinned. And if you don't admit it, you don't say, yes, I did this then you can't get to the next part of the process. Every single one of the people who drop their stones, they fail to admit to his face and see the possibility of what could come. They did, though, unwantingly. They admitted the fact that they committed the sin by dropping it. And walking away. If you go to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, the writer of Proverbs tells us the importance of admitting 
what we've done wrong. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. How can we overcome our mistakes if we don't admit it? How can we overcome our mistakes if we never give light to the fact that, yes, I did make one? You meet some people and they go through life as if they never do anything wrong. And how many of you want to be friends with such people? It's exhausting. Everybody else is the issue. Everything else is against them. They have never done anything wrong. It is, wow. Remember, um, you know, you, you, meet, you meet people. There was one time I was talking to somebody and they had auditioned for something and um, they were trying to get onto a show and uh, it was just incredible that like their assessment at the end of it while they weren't picked was that, you know, there was somebody else who had a sob story and a drama story that was very, you know, entertaining for, for the media. And so they... God it over them. But the reality is that person did what you auditioned for way better than what you did. You might have made some mistakes while you were doing your audition. It's okay. But if you go through life just thinking that, you know what, I'm the best thing since sliced bread and I can do no wrong. You know, I am the best thing like the wheel and there's nothing better they could invent or whatever. Uh, then you know what? We're not going to have the possibility of change. We have to own up to what we've done by admitting. But then, too, we need to take responsibility. You want to overcome your mistakes. Take responsibility. This lady is given an open door and Jesus is saying to her, lady, please go and sin no more. Can you realize and acknowledge that you have committed the act of adultery? You were wrong. Admit that, one. But now take ownership for it. Oh, you know what? But he is just so good looking. And you know what? I just couldn't like, and he just, he has a way and a charm and it just happened. You know what? Take that situation out and whatever. Uh, You know what? I just couldn't help it. The cookies were just right there. It's Christmas season. Oh, but you know what? The, the, the deck is stacked against me and they've, you know, they've inflated the dollar and now I can't buy anything. So you know what? Might as well just go and buy what I can't afford because I just need this thing. And you know what? It's all hard to do anyway. So it's not my fault. Sounds pathetic. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Or blame, passing blame. You know what? It wasn't me, God. It was the woman you gave me, God. We need to own the fact, Adam, you bit the apple too, buddy. Lady, you bit the apple, you gave it to him, yes, but he also had it. Oh, and by the way, Adam, you did not stop her from doing it. You never revolted or, you know what, you never piped up in the middle of it. Don't do it. It's a trap. You didn't say anything. You just went along with it, buddy. Own it. We have to own it. Galatians chapter 6. Find Galatians in your Bible. I want you to see this. If you don't know where Galatians is, it's after Corinthians. God eats potato chips. It's an acronym. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. 
for we are each responsible for our own conduct. You got to admit your mistakes, but then you got to take responsibility for your mistakes. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not this person or that person. Lady, you were in the bedroom with him. Take ownership. Guy, you actually took that thing from the office that didn't belong to you. Take ownership. You ever see people who don't want to take ownership in the middle of their, their, their struggle? They don't want to admit their issue. And so, like, they go into this, you know, freak out mode. They start to try to like, you know, overcompensate for the fact that they did something wrong and it all goes wrong. You can tell immediately like this is not lining up. Your story does not match up. This is not right. We need to take ownership if we're going to overcome. I can never solve something that doesn't pertain and belong to me in the first place. Some of us want to solve issues and, and, and resolve situations. You know, there's something interesting from a spiritual perspective, too, on this. You know, I, I remember many times, you know, people would come up to me and say, Hey, Pastor, I want you to come and pray for my child and, and pray over this. And I'm like, No problem. I will pray. There's no doubt about it. You know, I will pray and I will bind things. I will cast things out. There's no problem with that. But here's the, the reality God gave that child to who? To you. He has entrusted you with this child. They're under your authority and leadership, not mine. And so God has given you spiritual dominion and authority while they are under your care and charge. And you have a weight and an authority that I don't have. I, I will pray as the man of God and as you know a pastor and take that office and help you. But there's also something. I could be binding something that you could be loosening. I could be coming against something and asking God to move and fulfill something here that you are purposefully or unwillingly or unknowingly only exasperating and you have authority. You're relinquishing the authority that you have because you think that someone else with a higher power might be able to come and speak into this circumstance. God has given you dominion and he's given each and every one of us dominion and authority when we own our mistakes and sins. Isn't that a beautiful thing, Leah? That nobody else, it's not dependent. You're not waiting for somebody else. You have the authority and the ability. Sharon, you can take action today and you don't have to wait for somebody else to do it because sometimes someone else will not do it. But you can. You admit, you take ownership, but then you correct Lady, I pray to God that once you heard Jesus say, I don't accuse you either, go and sin no more, that you got up and you fixed the problem. I don't know how you're going to fix that because you already committed the act of adultery, but you got to fix it. You got to correct it. You got to address it. Maybe you said you're going to do something. Go do it. You know, I remember... Um, not remember because I, this happened just this past week. <laughs> it was just a busy week last week and you know, my, my daughter got sick and, and then uh, I had to stay home a couple of days and had an issue going on in, my, in, in, in the home that I had to fix um, and deal with. And then I realized there was a voicemail on my phone. I completely 
in the midst of the issue and the circumstance, overlooked my calendar and forgot that I had an appointment. And I completely was a no-show to an appointment that I needed to be at. It was a Zoom appointment, but I missed it all the, all the same. So I called the lady back and I said, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Here are the other days that I can make it. Can we please book this meeting? See, we have to make amends. We have to fix things. We have to go and, and make corrections when we make mistakes. Maybe you got to go to somebody and say, hey, can you please forgive me? Can you, can you go ahead and, and say to them, I was wrong. I did this. This consequence is because of me, and I am sorry about this. Maybe we have to go and say, hey, you know what? I promised this, and I'm going to go and fulfill and come through on that promise. You've got to go ahead and make it right. Zacchaeus, in the Bible, when Jesus meets this man, he's a tax collector. He has done wrong to a lot of people. He's overcharged them in taxes, and he has built his life and his home off of their backs by being a sneaky tax man and taking more than he needed. But when he meets Jesus, he says, Lord, I was wrong. And I will make it right. I'm going to go to every person that I stole from. And I'm going to repay them seven times more. See, it's not about just making the situation correct. Sometimes we have to go beyond and make it better. You want to overcome the mistakes. There's people who are waiting for you to admit it, to own it, and to go correct it. You don't have an in in their lives and you're living under the weight of that anxiety, depression, the strain in the relationship. Why? Because you have never come to try to correct the problem. And some things may be irreconcilable. I understand that. There's some mistakes that you can't go back. When somebody has passed away and, and the door has been closed and you've moved, whatever it may be, there might be situations that are closed to you. But how, even within those circumstances, can you own it? Can you admit it, and can you put into place things to make it right? Number four, are we doing all right? Are you learning anything today? We have to admit when we're wrong. We have to own it when we're wrong. It's not someone else's fault. It's ours. We have to correct it. How can we, the ship is going down, and we want it to stay afloat, but nobody restores the hull and plugs up the hole. If it's not corrected, it can't be overcome. Number four, we have to learn from our issues. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible tells us that we need to learn we need to learn so that we can overcome. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. The challenge is some people, we can admit that we're wrong all the time. We self-deprecate. We, we, we go overboard and we're wrong. We're this. Where I take ownership. It's all my fault. It's my problem and this and that. And you know what? I'm going to make it right and I'm going to make it good. But then we never stop to review the mistake. 
to review the sin. God, why is it that I always tend to lie when this situation is happening? Could it be that there is some deficiency within my heart when it comes to how people perceive me and what I think they perceive about me? So I feel like I have to lie to compensate for this. Why is it that when this person speaks, I just get something up in my spirit and I start to judge them left and right in my heart? Why is it that, this, like, we never ask the question, why, how, how come, when, where? Like, we need to stop and analyze our mistake. I don't know why, but it just seems like he is just so charming, and I just end up giving in to this dude. Wait, hold up. I always seem to do it when we're all alone by ourselves. No one's around. The lights are off and we just watch Netflix. And you know what? Now we're starting the chilling thing. Uh, reality flash. Analyze and learn. Because next time Netflix comes on, you're probably going to chill again. We've got to learn from the mistake. You know what? I always have the same argument with my spouse, and it's the same thing. We fight over the same thing. Well, you haven't learned the lesson, buddy. You haven't stopped to learn how is it that you're getting to the same bridge every single time, and you tend to cross that bridge. You're actually putting fire to that thing, but then you repair it, and you go back on it, and you set it aflame again. So we've got to learn from our mistakes, and it is discipline to learn. It is work to learn. It is work to stop and analyze. we got to take time. we got to build it into the calendar. We have to say, Lord, search me, know me, and explore the inner workings of our heart and our soul and learn from the mistake. That's why Jesus says, go and sin no more. Go, take inventory of what you have been doing and what has led you to this moment and what makes you feel like you're incapable and what parameters are missing from your life that allows you to do this again and again. Learn from your situation and do it no more, which is the next thing. Number five, don't repeat the mistake. God, you've opened the door. There's no accusers before me, and you are not accusing me also. This is amazing. Go and sin no more. Some of us are really good at admitting we're wrong, taking responsibility for being wrong, going and making reparations and restitution because we were wrong, overcompensating and making things right because we were wrong. We have sat there and we know exactly the reasons and the logic and the timing and the strategy, the circadian rhythm and how we were feeling, what was happening in our digestion, all the things we know, everything why we committed the mistake, but yet we go and do it again. Don't repeat it. God, I will never do this sin again. Anybody, anybody ever say that? God, if you forgive me this one more time, just this one more time, right, Donald? Just this one more time. Forgive me, God, and I will never do this again. That's work. Don't repeat it. You know what we look like when we repeat our mistakes? It's a very beautiful picture in the scriptures. When we repeat our sins, it's a very delicious picture. Ready? Solomon says, it's like a dog returning to his vomit. Man, vomit is nasty the first time around. 
but like a dog returning to his vomit. But you know what? We had such great times together. And I remember the moments where she was so kind to me and he was so loving and chivalrous. And you know what? It was just so good. Danger! What about all the times that they abused you, betrayed you, lied to you, hurt you, fell through for you? No, no, but I'm remembering like that one good moment that we had. And if we could just get back to that one good moment, everything's going to be good again. And then the dog returns to the vomit. If y'all broke up, you probably broke up for a reason, right? If it felt bad the first time you committed the sin, it's probably going to feel bad the second time you do it again. If you felt the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment after you committed the mistake, you know what? You're most likely going to feel it again if you commit it again. But maybe this time I've learned some things. Maybe this time I'm better. Maybe this time I'm more mature. So you know what? I can actually handle that mistake versus... No, no, no. A dog returns to his vomit. That's all it is. Lord, help me to learn so that I don't repeat. That saying in history that says a history repeats itself, it only does so if we fail to learn from history. History will repeat itself if we fail to take inventory and analyze and say, Lord, now I'm putting parameters and I'm building you know, guardrails around my life so that I don't commit this thing again. And I'm over my time. Let me just give you one last one. We want to admit, we want to, take responsibility. We want to correct. We want to learn. We don't want to repeat. But then lastly, we want to seek forgiveness. We want to pursue forgiveness. We want to go chase forgiveness. If we commit mistakes and we commit sins, we need to go and then pursue forgiveness. And that is the beautiful thing. I said pursue, not attain. Because some of us choose to derail and overlook this decision and this last step. And therefore, we never come out from underneath the weight of mistakes and sin because we feel like we have to be forgiven. And when we say we have to be forgiven, as opposed to we have to pursue forgiveness, we take the ownership and give it to somebody else as opposed to, go back to number two, take responsibility for ourselves. Well, you know what? I'm not going to go ask for forgiveness because that person has told me again and again they won't forgive me. So what's the point? What's the bother? I'm not going to go waste my time. No, no. Pursue forgiveness. Whether people give you forgiveness or not, is not up to you. It's up to them and it's up to God to move on them. But it's up to us to go pursue it. So why Jesus taught his disciples, Lord, forgive us our trespasses. Like we are to ask for forgiveness. We are to pursue forgiveness and let God give it to us. Let us also give forgiveness to other people so that he can forgive us. Some of us are looking at this experience with God and grace and we so willingly want to receive it for ourselves, but we will withhold it from others. It's what the men did in this story. 
They dropped their stones. They were ready to receive it for themselves. The guy is not even in the picture. Maybe the guy was one of them. And yet, they couldn't offer it to this woman. Church, the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And so we are to pursue, if our sin is against God, we need to pursue forgiveness from him. Lord, I have sinned against you. It's like David. It's like so many men and women of the faith, they've made something wrong. It's like Peter giving a chance to Ananias and Sapphira, and yet they did not seize the moment, and they did not step into the blessing. They fell under the greater weight of God's judgment. Admit. Take responsibility. Correct. Learn. Don't repeat. Pursue forgiveness. I'm going to invite the team to come on up. This lady is just told something very beautiful by Jesus. I don't accuse you either, lady. Go and sin no more. Friends, I want you to understand that God has come into this world not to bring judgment, but he's come to save this world. And we are looking at our experiences and our mistakes, and I want us to keep that in mind because we have done some bloopers. We have made some wrong choices, the greatest of which we do constantly. We've inherited this sin nature within us that does what is opposed to God. It is the greatest mistake. It's sin. And we need to be reconciled to him. If we don't overcome our mistakes, if we don't overcome our sins, it brings into question, are we competent? And if we are, then maybe there's just an issue with our character. What's going on with this person that can't admit, can't own, can't correct, doesn't learn? is always repeating, never pursues forgiveness. There's, there's a competency challenge or there's a character issue. There's a flaw. And pretty soon people write us off. I don't want to be written off. I want to move forward in faith what God wants for me, for my home, for my family. I don't want to live under the weight of depression and anxiety, poor self-esteem and self-worth, live under the weight of broken relationships because of something I did back in 1970, whatever. Doesn't apply to me, I was an 85 baby, but you get, you get my drift. If we don't deal with the mistakes, we can't experience the joy that's on the other side of the open door. Jesus opened the door for the woman. I pray to God that I get to meet her in heaven and that she took that open door and she ran with it. I hope she wasn't the one that says, you know, it's someone else's fault. I had no choice. Or whatever other thing that we tend to do when we don't own it. 
Have you made some mistakes? Let me just tell you, Jesus is here to correct them. He is offering you an all, a new opportunity, an open door, and he's saying, run through it. Some of us have committed mistakes to, towards one another. It grieves my heart when I talk to people in the church and, and it's like, you know what, I missed an opportunity or I didn't do this and you know what, I'm, I'm not coming around because uh, you know what, there's this tension between me and this other person at the church. Really? Really? Wow. Shows how much you value that other person. That you're not willing to give them a chance to change. You're not allowing them a chance to run through the open door together so that you can overcome and experience God's grace and mercy. Yeah, but you don't know what they've done. Yeah, I don't. But Jesus does. And he says, I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. Yeah, you've done this. You've owned it. You're, you're try- Give them a chance to make it right to learn from it, to not do it again, and to actually seek your forgiveness. Give them a chance. If you don't, how can we expect to receive the forgiveness from Christ if we can't give it to our brother? It's happening in our families, in our marriages, in our world. And the higher we go, the more we grow, the more people will see our failures and our mistakes. The more vulnerable we become. It's just part of the package. Well, if that's part of the package, Pastor, I want to stay in the station and the place that I've been because I don't want to have to admit to my mistakes or deal with my mistakes or learn from my mistakes or ask forgiveness of other people. So God, I'm just gonna stay right here. How sad. To have encountered Jesus, have him put a finger on the issue and then we walk away. Will you stand with me? There was a woman who was brand new to an office, medical office, she's a nurse, first day on the job had an appointment to give shots to a child and then do the mother's physical right after. And so she uh, first saw the child and went ahead, gave him the shot and returned the kid back to the waiting room where he could stand with and sit with grandma while mom came in to do her physical. And as that nurse is going through the motions of checking vitals for the mom, she reaches into her pocket and realizes that there is a vial in there. And she realizes that there was two vials and the one that she gave to the child was the wrong shot. She gave the child the wrong shot. So she ran out of the room and, you know, went to double check something and she realized, wow, it's my first day on the job. The first patient of the day. I'm in this new office, just meeting this family, and I've made a mistake. What am I gonna do? I could, I, no one's gonna know. 
The mom won't know, the kid won't know, nobody will know that he got the wrong shot and I can just go about my business. The doctors won't know, I don't have to admit it, I don't have to take responsibility, I won't have to go do anything right about it and all this stuff. And then she went through all the logic and all the reasoning and she got to this thing, yeah, but God will. God will know. Whatever justification you may have to continue in the mistake that you have made or continue to make, and whatever justification you have to maintain in the sin that you are experiencing, just understand God knows and he sees and he wants something better for you because he wants to open the door. Thankfully, the lady went back to the doctor. She spoke to him and said, this is what I did. This is what happened. She did not try to save face, but she spoke to him and he went to talk to the family. They booked another appointment for the kid to have the same immunization that he needed. And everything worked out. See, we think that we'll lose the race because of this grand thing. But when the enemy gets us to compromise on the small things, and to stay stuck in the small things. It robs us of the greater things. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I just pray that this message, however simple and practical, that you would reach into hearts and move, Lord God, what needs to be removed. That your people men and women would be, Lord God, overwhelmed with mercy. You did not dismiss this woman and grant her blanket forgiveness. You told her, go and sin no more. You opened the door and allowed her to choose. Father, I pray that a door has been opened here today that the past can be released. The struggles can be, Lord God, let go of. The weight and the burden of mistakes and sins can be, Lord God, laid at the foot of the cross where all of it weighs and looks the same. And your blood is greater than all of it. Father, I pray whatever shame and guilt men and women are facing here today, whatever depression and poor self-esteem has been, Lord God, their portion, that you would cancel all those things today as they come into relationship with you, trusting that you are faithful to them to forgive and to cleanse and to wash clean. Father, I pray that you put a pulse on it. Let us be men and women of open doors who experience the benefits, not just the opportunity of forgiveness. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. I'm going to invite you to uh, reflect. I'm going to dismiss us right now, but I'm going to invite you to just take two minutes and reflect and ask the Holy Spirit to work in you.
because I understand that every one of us here need to make some mistakes right. And if not, I don't think you've searched far enough or long enough. So I invite you to take two minutes. Some of you may need more than two minutes, and it's okay, because you've got a lot of things right, and I praise God for that. So you're going to need to take you know, time during this week and really search it, because God wants to take you to the next level. Amen? May the love of our God, the grace of our Lord Jesus, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with each and every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.